Hello and welcome to the podcast for Christ Community Church in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. You know, normally this show is just a recording of our Sunday morning sermon from our worship service. But we wanted to let you know that we also produce other shows during the week. One of them is called The Water Tower. And it's just someone explaining a scripture and what it meant to them in a hope that it would be an encouragement to you as well. If that sounds like something that would be interesting to you, we encourage you to go follow it anywhere you find and listen to podcasts. But we wanted to just drop an episode here in our feed so you could hear what it sounds like in case that would be interesting and an encouragement to you. So here is episode 62 of The Water Tower called Adrenaline. Hey there, and welcome to the Water Tower, a few minutes of extra encouragement for your week from the scriptures. I'm your host, Lee Younger, from Christ Community Church here in Oak Ridge, Tennessee, and we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 2 today, starting in verse 8. In putting everything under Jesus, God left nothing that is not subject to him. Yet at present, we don't see everything subject to him, but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. All right, enjoy episode 62, Adrenaline. Some people are self-styled adrenaline junkies. They like bungee jumping and skydiving, ice climbing, and apparently cage diving with sharks. Wait, what? Why, why would you, how is that a thing? Look, I had to Google some of those because I just honestly don't understand these people. I am not an adrenaline junkie. I like coffee shops, comfortable shoes, and hardback books. I like chamber music and warm coats. Okay, yeah, I'm basically a very aged English man on the inside, I guess. I don't love adrenaline. I don't like heights. Christy and I went to tour the Biltmore Estate, and my tummy was doing backflips on the four-story stone staircase while holding the solid oak banister. I enjoy being seated for long periods of time, but some folks love to basically take their body to the brink of what could very reasonably end in their own demise just to feel something. The rush, the wide-eyed blood-up explosion of adrenaline. Adrenaline is a hormone or medication that has dramatic effects on the body. When you become afraid, and your body defaults into fight or flight mode, adrenaline starts flowing, increasing your heart rate, blood pressure, making your eyes dilate, and literally expanding the air passages to your lungs and redistributing blood flow toward muscles and away from pain receptors. So when the adrenaline is pumping, you are faster, stronger, and feel less pain. This will sound fake, but it's not. Your body actually pours more resources into tissue repair when you're in an adrenaline rush. No joke, the adrenalized you is kind of the low-key superhero version of you. And yeah, 
Even I have to admit that's pretty cool. Some folks get hooked on this feeling, so they jump off cliffs and ride in vehicles way too fast and even put themselves in some mediated version of harm's way just to experience it. And they do this despite the fact that the after effects of the rush are not pleasant. Increased anxiety, irregular heart rate, shaking limbs, fuzzy vision, on and on. For the adrenaline junkie, all of that is worth it for the rush. For those moments when the brain and the body don't really know if we're going to make it out of this one alive. Now the only scenario I can cope with that is anything like the activities enjoyed by these extreme sports aficionados is roller coasters. And look, I get it. The Tennessee tornado at Dollywood is nothing like base jumping Angel Falls in Venezuela. But that's the whole point for me. Roller coasters are not perfect, but they're tested. Hundreds of people have ridden this thing before me. There are layers of precautions built in and loads of redundancies in place for our collective safety. And as I'm waiting in that super long line, I keep watching the smiling, laughing faces of folks rolling back onto the platform every few minutes from another successful, accident-free experience. In other words, I get all the adrenaline in the safest way possible. When I ride a great roller coaster, I'm usually laughing the entire time. And I mean really laughing. Just absolutely losing it. And it's all because this whole thing should not be survivably possible. I shouldn't be moving this fast. I shouldn't be flipping upside down and then taking a hard left turn while corkscrewed on my side and then flung around upside down yet again and then just be completely fine as the coaster brakes hiss and we wind up safely back on the platform ourselves, wishing we could just hop back on and ride it all over again. It's improbable. It's ridiculous. It's so much fun. You can keep cliff camping, slacklining, wing walking, and ice swimming. And yeah, those are all somehow real things. Give me roller coasters, baby. Give me the one that has been tried and tested. Give me the one that everybody walks away from with their shirt still tucked in. I like the guarantee. I like that someone has gone before me, tried it out, smiled from the other side, and said, you're good to go. So there's a place in the book of Hebrews in chapter two where the author says, we see Jesus crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. Now that is a really intriguing phrase to taste death. I mean, when you taste something, you're trying it, assessing it, maybe even taking your time with it. Our dog does not taste her food. I mean, not really. She just wolfs it down. It's there, and then it's just gone. When you eat something new and someone asks you, how does it taste? They're asking you to think about this experience you're having and decide if it's good or if it's bad, if you like it or if you don't. But the author of Hebrews uses that word taste to talk about the experience of dying that he might taste death for everyone. Wait, what? I mean, isn't dying the end? Isn't death the thing you don't come back from? You don't taste the end. 
just assess and then report on an experience from which there is no return. But the verse in Hebrews 2 says Jesus tasted death for everyone. And it's why Jesus came here. Almighty God, who became a flesh and blood human being, came here to die. He died to take our place, to absorb the punishment we deserve for all our wrong and to pay the penalty we could never pay, to square the debt we could never settle. The death of Jesus was a vicarious substitution, and he really did it. Almighty God the Son, the author of life, somehow let himself die. He was completely and totally dead. He died, but somehow his dying was tasting death. He tasted it. He experienced it. He did it for us in such a way that, and guys, this is really trippy and also super cool. Anyone who believes in him won't really die anymore. He tasted it for us, and then he defeated death and rose from the grave. He tasted death, and then he changed the taste. He so completely defeated death that it's just not the same thing anymore. You see, if you've believed in Jesus, you will technically die one day. But it won't be what anyone looking on and watching will think it is, because when you die, you will actually be more alive than you've ever imagined, more full, more finished. And in the presence of Jesus himself, you'll be you, but you without fear or shame or confusion or drama or pain. You will pass from this tired, broken world into real, full life with love himself. Dang. For the believer, death just isn't all that deathy anymore. He tasted death and then he changed it. Jesus alluded to this in the way he talked about death, even before his own death. He called death sleeping. He said it about Lazarus, and he said it about Jairus' daughter. He predicted his own resurrection from the dead, and after he cashed in on that prediction and physically, bodily rose from the dead, guys who saw him in the flesh started talking that same way too. The Apostle Paul, who saw him risen, referred to dead believers as, quote, those who have fallen asleep. Can you imagine that? Just take a beat and think about taking the one thing everyone is most afraid of and always has been and referring to it as sleeping, which is honestly one of the greatest and most comforting of human experiences. Ultimate fear is like a nap now, thanks to Jesus. You're welcome. You see what's happened here? Jesus took the fall we're all afraid of and made it a roller coaster ride. He took the question mark out of the single greatest fear there is. He has promised that death is no longer the end. Death has now actually become like a three minute thrill ride at an amusement park. Yeah, you may have some adrenaline as you face it. Yeah, you're gonna be afraid. 
you'll close your eyes at some point but and oh my word is this some good news you're gonna open your eyes at the end and laugh and laugh and laugh the most scary unknown you know of has been completely undone and defanged death is now just a guaranteed roller coaster ride because Jesus tasted death for us and then rebooted the recipe. Okay, now hang with me because I kind of think this good news can get even better. If that's what Jesus does with our single greatest fear, what can he do with the rest of our fears? Think about that. He tasted death. He changed death. Death is no longer all that deathy. What else? He personally bore our guilt and shame. You'll never be guilty or punished again. He's alive and living inside you. You'll never be alone again. He is seated on his throne at the right hand of God and all authority has been given to him. You'll never be in the grip of the cruel hands of fate, ever. You are, right now, forgiven and clean. You are, right now, with Jesus in his actual presence in this very second. You are squarely in the middle of his perfect plan. You see what I mean? Jesus is in the business of taming all our fears. Jesus is inoculating everything that would want to make us afraid. He is over and above all the scary unknowns. There are no unknowns to him. There are no surprises. He was here first. He will be after all. He is stronger. He is smarter. He is in control. Everything answers to him, and every single thing he does is motivated by his outrageous and endless love for you. Whatever wants me to be afraid, he's got a plan to meet it, to beat it, and to turn it into something more unbelievably amazing than I could have ever hoped for. I know I'm going to get afraid again. The cool thing is, I don't have to let that fear be the last word. My fears are being handled by the one who turns train wrecks into roller coasters. The one who turns would-be tragedies into really great stories.
finds man to man Ever seen in march we onward Victors in the midst of strife Joyful news and leads us sunward In the triumph song of life Joyful news and leads us sunward In the triumph song of Today's score was the song Bloom by Kyle McAvoy with Stan Forby, used by permission with musicbed.com. Our final song was Joyful We Adore Thee by Eric Peters, and our intro-outro music was by the one and only Jed Brewer of Good Loud Media. And you are hearing this because of our friend Ian Gothard, who's like the feeling you have when your Thanksgiving plate has just enough room left for your very favorite dish. Thanks for listening, guys and may the living water fill you up.